you're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, that strange laughter in the background comes from our old friend Jim Mosley, who's one of our featured guests today. Are we on the air? Sometimes. Uh, how about now? We are on the air, yes, sir. All right. So you're ready. And we know Chris O'Brien is no longer in a remote location where his cell phone connection will disable every two minutes. But I probably will be next week. That's right. You're going to have to do the next show from a remote location. But we have someone else who's from a real remote location. And everybody who's listened to the PowerCast over the past year or so, they've heard this guy's voice. I mean, seriously. You hear him at the beginning of the show. You hear him at the end of the show. You hear him at every hourly break. And he's somebody who's been in the broadcasting business for many thousands of years, I understand. He's Bob Zanotti calling us from his palatial estate in the Swiss Alps, is it? <laughs> no, we're not quite in the Alps, Gene, uh, but we can see them very clearly from here. <laughs> the Alps are about 25 or 30 miles away. We're in the rustic, peaceful, placid Emmental, where they make the famous Emmental cheese. We're up at 2,500 feet, 10 miles east of the Swiss capital city, Bern. And you're coming in clear as a bell, and apparently the wonders of modern technology are bringing my voice to you as well. Well, unfortunately, that wonder of modern technology was recently bought by Microsoft. So expect. Oh, that's, the end of it. <laughs> that's it, folks. Expect frequent disconnects. The reason we bought Bob on the show is not just because he does a great job as our staff announcer. But many years ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Bob was host of a weekly radio show for a college radio station called Coffee Clutch. Now, Bob, this is taking you back to the very early stages of your broadcasting career, but how did you get involved with that show? Through ham radio, and uh, may I remind you, Gene, that we're going back, I'm, I can't believe it, just about 50 years are very, very close to it. You and I are the same vintage, because you were on that show many times. It was through amateur radio. I've been a ham radio operator for years as a kid, since 1961. I got into contact with a ham not too far away from my native Hawthorne, New Jersey. He was in the next town or so, and he said, you know, I work for this college radio station. Why don't you come down and see it? Well, to make a very, very long story short, which is extremely uh, difficult for me to do most of the time, anyway, I went down and uh, got talking, and they said, gee, uh, uh, we could use some programming. Any ideas? And I said, yeah, I'd love to do a talk show. And, of course, Long John Neville was big at the time. He was my idol. And so, gee, I'd like to do a talk show, maybe about the offbeat, this sort of thing, something like Long John. Okay, fine. And that's the way it began. And Ham Radio also introduced me to one of the key players in the so-called New York Circle. Jim, of course, and your good self, Gene, were part of that. A fellow by the name of Dom Lucchesi, Dominic Lucchesi. He was also a radio ham. I met him on the air one time. And we talked about flying saucers in the offbeat. He said, you've got to come over to my place in Jersey City. We have a meeting of people here who come all the time and talk about this. And that's how it happened. And that's how I met you. And that's how I met Jim and some of the other key players in the so-called New York Circle. Well, you know what we're going to do now? Right now, we're going to put on our little aluminum foil bands like the famous <laughs> Mystic Barber would wear back oh, in the yes. 60s. We'll tell you who he was in a moment. 
But any case, let's get those bands on because we have to go back through time. Jim, are you ready? Oh, I, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this. Okay. Okay, let's see if we can beam 45 to 50 years back in time. It's going to be difficult. It's not going to be an easy thing. You can do it, Gene. You can do it. You really think so? You have faith in me, huh, Jim? Oh, absolutely. We represent a collective spiritual battery. I think people think I need more than a collective spiritual battery. They (laughs) they think I, you know, you've heard of batteries not included. This is how it goes. (laughs) I make this look good. Hello and welcome once again to Coffee Clutch. This is Bob Zanotti, and I'm with you every Friday from 10.30 to midnight with lively and interesting discussions with many interesting people. Tonight we welcome back James W. Mosley. Jim Mosley is the editor and publisher of Saucer News. Jack Robinson, John J. Robinson. Jack is the assistant editor of Saucer News. He's a longtime UFO and offbeat researcher and an expert in the Darrows. More about that later. Dominic Lucchesi is with us. Dom Lucchesi used to be called a UFO researcher, but these days he's sounding more like a skeptic. August C. Roberts, Augie Roberts, the well-known UFO photographer, is with us. And Augie also made his own sighting back in the 1950s around New York. We'll hear that story later. Gene Steinberg with us again. And Gene is a longtime paranormal researcher, also, of course, interested in ufology. And finally, a special guest, Yona. Yona Ibn Naharan, the well-known, we might say renowned, biblical scholar and paranormal researcher. Now, we refer to Yona through most of the session by his Americanized name, Yona Fortner, and we've talked about him. On a number of occasions, you'll hear him later in the show, plus two special guests from, shall we say, Jim, the more extreme elements of uh, New York UFO research. But a lot of this also came out of the fact that during those years, Jim, you ran a, what was it, monthly lecture series? Uh, Yeah, you're talking about the late 60s. Yeah, I had a monthly lecture series in New York City and uh, mainly on saucers. Sometimes we'd get into something else. And I quit doing that around 1970, I think. But you had a cross-section of people. I mean, your viewpoint about UFOs was very much straight down the middle. But you had some people who were rather extreme, such as that gentleman with the band around his head. Oh, he was never a uh, guest at my series. I never had a lecture by uh, Mystic Barber. But Uh, you had Alexander McNeil, who must have been the tallest contactee on the planet. Yeah, well, Alexander McNeil was a good talker, and, uh, you know, he was uh, interesting to listen to. I heard that the Mystic Barber was on one of the big TV shows one time, maybe Johnny Carson, and uh, he was so incoherent, they uh, refused to give him the $100 that they had promised him, which uh, is a mean thing to do, but... uh, since he didn't have a good lawyer, that's how the whole thing ended. And that was supposed to be scale, I believe. But Alexander McNeil, and we'll hear from him a little bit later, was, I suppose, one of the less extreme of the contactees. Is that correct? Yeah. I have a little story about him. At my big convention in New York in 1967, we brought in Roy Thinnis, who was uh, well-known on TV at that time. He was the star of The Invaders which yes. I, don't think, I don't think I ever bothered to listen to it because I wasn't 
interested in that kind of thing. But he he was a big draw. Uh, I paid to bring him and his wife and his mother-in-law, if you can believe that, in from Hollywood. It cost a couple of thousand dollars to fly them all in. And um, make a long story short, uh, Roy Finnis became ill. He was supposed to speak four different times uh, during these three days, and he only spoke once, as I remember. And uh, this was uh, disconcerting uh, because uh, the people really wanted to hear him. But in, in one of those instances of the, the fact that, uh, that he wasn't speaking, we brought in Alexander McNeil as a substitute. And that was the most brilliant thing I ever did because he was spellbinding. I never heard him speak before or after, but mainly he had seen a saucer with little men that had landed near the uh, Long Island Expressway, which is interesting because I don't know if anyone saw that except him. But he was a very good speaker, and I didn't remember him being on Bob Zanotti's show, but uh, no doubt he was. Well, you'll hear from Alexander McNeil later on, but also the core of your organization going back to the early days, Jack Robinson, Yona Fortner, Augie yes. Roberts, Dominic Lucchesi, all this with Jim Mosley, Bob Zanotti, Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Don't answer it! How can I stop these annoying collection calls? Imagine being free from your debt without settling and with no payment plan, no negotiating or filing bankruptcy, and no attorneys. What if you could eliminate the risk from all your unsecured debt in about 90 days and keep all your money? You can! It's called Zero Debt Guarantee, and it works. There's no other program of its kind on the planet, and we guarantee the results in writing. Call now, 800-477-9256. Let our team of experts provide you with the resources to fight back, stop collection calls, and prevent and stop wage garnishments and bank levies. If you're facing foreclosure, we can help. Don't go it alone. Get free information now by calling 800-477-9256. Talk to an expert who has also completed our program. Call 800-477-9256 for free info or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's 800-477-9256 or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. You may snicker when you hear this message, but you won't laugh after you experience the best-kept health secret ever, camel milk. Camel milk is loaded with health benefits far superior to other milk. 
Camel milk has antibacterial, antiviral, and anti-tumor properties. Is rich in B vitamins, and camel milk is three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk, and ten times higher in iron. And camel milk contains 52 units of insulin-like proteins per liter, effectively lowering blood sugar levels. Many of our members testified that drinking camel milk reversed diabetes and greatly improved autism. Camel milk is easily digested by those who are lactose and beta casein intolerant and comes fresh or frozen from your trusted local family farm shipped on dry ice to preserve freshness. Go to CamelMilkForSale.com now and look under Products and Pricing for this spring special with free bonus pints. That's CamelMilkForSale.com, CamelMilkForSale.com. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris, we go back to the 1960s, put back our propeller heads or whatever we're wearing to get back there, or maybe we go into warp drive around the sun, however we do it. We've got Bob Zanotti, who's our staff announcer, but also a long time ago was the host of the Coffee Clutch radio show, brought on many of the UFO and paranormal figures in the New York scene. Also, Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear, and we'll tell you people how you get a copy later on. Jim, let's focus on your circle of people. When you first got involved in publishing a magazine called Saucer News, it was called Nexus, and you had a core base of staff members, of which Augie Roberts was one of them, but also he's one of the people mentioned in Gray Barker's famous book, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, because he was a friend of Al Bender. Augie's no longer with us, but Jim, would you tell us about him? Well, now, which end of it? You want to talk about Al Bender or about the birth of Saucer News? Let's talk about the birth of Saucer News and then bring on the first clip with Augie Roberts. In the summer of 1954, I knew Augie Roberts and Don Lucchesi for a year or so then, and we had gotten to know each other quite well. At that point, we decided to jointly uh, start publishing a UFO magazine. I would have chosen a more normal title uh, than Nexus because uh, most people don't know what Nexus means and perhaps even some of your listeners don't. If you look in the dictionary very carefully, you'll find N-E-X-U-S. It means 
a connecting link. Augie thought that was brilliant to use that name, and I don't know. Uh, anyway, as to uh, Al Bender, that's a long story, but uh, he had just recently been allegedly hushed up by three men in black up at his uh, residence in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, which wasn't too far from our area of New Jersey. And uh, I sort of got in on it oh, a month or two after all this started, but at least two or three times, Dom and Augie went up to uh, interview uh, Bender, and I, I think I went along with him one time. But Bender was playing at Coy, and uh, he would not answer questions. Uh, I, I've seen written versions of, of this in, in Gray Barker's book, uh, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, and, and you see this uh, dialogue. Some, somebody asks a question, and, and Bender says, I can't answer that. And then they ask a different question, and the answer is, I can't answer that. Sounds and like so, somebody testifying before a congressional committee. Yeah, it's, exactly. <laughs> it sounds like he was trying to hide. And as a matter of fact, I think you're on to something, because I personally, being, as I think you already mentioned here, a sort of middle-of-the-roader, I, I did not uh, take uh, Bender's claim all too seriously. And as I got to know... Bender and the whole situation better in, in later years. I definitely did not take his uh, claim seriously. So I guess uh, when he said, uh, I can't answer that, he probably really didn't have an answer. Lest uh, anyone not realize who Al Bender was, he's the origin of the Three Men in Black story. And to bring matters full circle, there is a new Three Men in Black movie, MIB3 with Will Smith, of course, coming out this year, having nothing to do, whatever, with Albert K. Bender. We were going to present Augie's description of the Skywatch Tower case, and we will in the next segment. But I think it's more fitting now to have Augie talk about Al Bender, but only in connection with the fact that Bender, in the 1960s, came out with a book called Flying Saucers and the Three Men, and the three men were, I gather, extraterrestrials. So before we comment, this is Augie Roberts on Al Bender. Well, Albert K. Bender, when I knew him way back, he was a, a completely different man than what I'm looking at today. The man I knew then is not the man I look at now. Uh, I don't know this man today, but I did know the man years ago. And he was In what really sense great do you mean? Man. I mean, he's totally... He was uh, alive then. Yeah. He was really alive. Yeah. It's like someone took him over and, and really gave him a... a shall we say a brainwashing job uh, if you read the book that he wrote uh, flying saucers and the three men he explains it and my personal opinion is uh i don't buy it i just don't buy it he his his story no, is I, the really. wildest story yeah. of all the ufo books out on the market today his beats them all and when i read his book it was in a lightning storm and it was one of the very few books that i've ever read in my life that really frightened me oh my lord and i can take just about anything what do you think jim what do i think about that book and uh, what Augie well, roberts had to say about the way his personality had changed from what it originally was well when you see i 50s. can't really answer that <laughs> like al bender i can't answer that because i never met bender until after he was hushed up so whether his personality changed or not, I'm not sure. But I do know that I think we made it uh, into his uh, bedroom or studio apartment, whatever he had. And uh, on the walls, he had these horror posters from uh, Frankenstein-type uh, movies and 
all kinds of things like that. And so you certainly had to reach a tentative conclusion that he was, well, number one, he had a background in unusual beliefs and interests before he got into saucers. And number two, he was attracted by very strange material, which might make one believe uh, that he was not all there, if we could say that. Yeah, but it wasn't that unusual for people in the 50s and 60s to like monster films. We had a big magazine at the time, Famous Monsters of Filmland. Oh, sure, sure. Sure. But he lived by himself, and he was just obviously an eccentric uh, fellow. As a matter of fact, you know, he's still alive, living out in uh, the Los Angeles area. And somebody sent me, within the last year or so, they got this off the internet, and I don't know how to get anything off the internet, but they... Well, you didn't to have to do it without a computer, which would be even more difficult. <laughs> yeah, well, Al Bender, his, a photograph of his alleged home and his address appeared in Saucer Smear within the last year. I thought that's kind of interesting. He's still uh, Jim, alive. Just a quick question here. Uh, I didn't know Al Bender was still alive, to be frank, and I never met the man. He was never on the show. There was talk of bringing him on, but we never managed. Um, it, it, what is his situation today? Is he still reticent? Is he still not talking? Well, he got off the saucer thing after that book, uh, sometime after that. I had him speak at my lecture series once. I don't remember if it was before or after the book came out. It was but... after the book came out, Jim. I remember being there. Oh, right. Well, I would say, uh, whether he was hushed up or not, Bender reached the point that he just absolutely, he had nothing to not talk about. I mean, he just left the field completely. What what he did do was he got interested in uh, music uh, from uh, movies and such. And, and I'm trying, um, Max Steiner, that's right. Max right, Steiner, famous movie composer. He, he, he wrote the music for a lot of, of the very good uh, old movies from that era, and they had a Max Steiner fan club, and I think he might have been the head of it. So but think about thought, this, folks, from Saucers to Max Steiner. That's Jim Mosley. We have Bob <laughs> Zanotti with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned in to the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Back through time, back to the 1960s with Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear, Bob Zanotti, a radio broadcaster who at the time ran a show called Coffee Clutch, and we both were influenced heavily in the things we did, Bob and I, by Long John Nebel, so he had a show in that tradition. We were talking about August C. Roberts, who worked with Jim on Saucer News in the early days, but also was a friend of Albert K. Bender, and so we had that little clip where Augie talked about Bender and his problems with him. But before that, Augie also was a photographer of UFOs, a professional photographer by trade, as a matter of fact. Tell us more about Augie. Well, uh, as far as sighting, 
since we'll have was, the sighting in a well, few minutes, okay? I, well, I'm just saying the reason that he was on this tower to begin with is that he he joined the Skywatch. Uh, they didn't have radar nearly as much as now, so a lot of people volunteered to be on these towers for periods of time uh, and watch the skies, and that's how well, he happened to see a flying saucer. August that's Roberts on his UFO sighting. Three of us, George Conner, Jim Layden, and myself are on the Skywatch Tower in Jersey City, uh, plane spotting, and we were doing this for the government. And uh, we spent 2,000 hours, the three of us, up there hunting for these things. And uh, one night, George Conger was actually doing the job he was assigned to this do. Civil defense. Civil defense. Right. This is plane spotting. This mm-hmm. is because the uh, when planes fly low, the radar wasn't able to pick it up. Right. So they needed the plane spotters. Well, this one night, or one morning, I would say, it was 12, 11 a.m., July 28, 1952, George spotted this object near the Empire State Building. Now, George pointed it out to me, and uh, we called Jim Layden, who was in the tower. This is in the little hut-like where the telephones are, direct to the Air Force, which is the Phyllis Center in uh, White Plains. And I grabbed the binoculars and was looking at it. I was really amazed. Believe it or not, I was amazed because the government has been telling us that there are no such things as what they call flying saucers. Possibly there aren't. Maybe they call them uh, flying eggnogs or anything like this. But maybe it's a semantic uh, type of thing, Bob. But I did not believe anything did exist until I was looking at it with my own two eyes, and then I knew, I knew in my own mind then that we were being lied to. We called it in, of course, to the Phyllis Center, and they told us that it was picked up on radar, and three other stations also have it. It was definitely a round object with a spinning ring, rim spinning in a counterclockwise direction, and it had a dot in the center. As the rim speeded up, so did the color change. The color was a uh, uh, darkish, brownish type, but as it started to spin a little bit faster, the rim, and the dot in the center changed to a lighter orange. Now, I don't say that this thing comes from Mars. I have never said that this comes from Mars or Venus or any other planet you want to name. But when you look at it, you are amazed and can only believe that it comes from some other planet. Although, I would say, if I had to pick a choice, say that this object did come from somewhere on this Earth. Anyway, I was able to take two pictures of it. The pictures have been proven to the authorities who needed to know at that time, which is the civil defense authorities and others involved in it. A two-star general stated, and I was there with the reporters when it was stated, that it was picked up on radar, confirming it. And I have so many clippings on it. One thing I wanted to ask you, Jim. Now, we know that you and some of your friends were sometimes responsible for pulling a few pranks with regard to UFO photos. Was this picture the Skywatch Tower case pictures? Were these pictures, in your point of view, genuine or what? Well, I'm sure the pictures were genuine. First of all, the Skywatch thing occurred before I had ever met Augie. In fact, I probably met him because of having read about him in the newspapers. I was just starting out my saucer quest, and I believe he was the first person I was able to contact and start this little, as you call it, the New York uh, flying saucer circle or whatever. But uh, yes, it doesn't tell you what the object was, but I'm sure that his pictures were uh, genuine, and, and of course that pushed him further into the UFO field. But I I like what he said there. 
it's obvious, uh, in a, it's a little humorous to me, he didn't join the Skywatch for any patriotic reason. Uh, his sole interest was to have an opportunity to sooner or later see a flying saucer, and he did, and so he was very happy about it. I could uh, say one thing about Augie Roberts. I got to know him very well during the coffee clutch days, and uh, he was technically my production coordinator. In fact, he was responsible for organizing a number of quite interesting guests. He was on the show very often. I had a lot of time one-on-one -on -one with him. He had a persona that some people perceived as being rather, uh, what shall I say, unsophisticated, uh, but he wasn't. He was very deep. He was very intelligent, too, in my opinion. He was a very sensitive individual and very, very honest. I was always impressed by his honesty. And one thing I remember him telling me, he had thousands of UFO photographs. And he said, I've made some of them. And there are a lot of them are fakes. And if I make a fake, I call it a fake. But he had in his collection photographs which he said could not be faked in his opinion. We were talking about these photographs at the uh, Skywatch Tower. And he described how he was doing it. Uh, the quality wasn't right because he was using a slightly defective camera, which was not his. It was quite clear that these, I took these photographs, this is the way they came out, and these are real photographs. That's my contribution to this particular discussion about the Skywatch. Yeah, we should just uh, add in the fact that that was his uh, profession. He was a professional photographer and worked for uh, various outfits. I can't remember just which ones, but uh, that's how he made a living for many, many years. So he'd be a photographer of weddings and stuff like that? I'm not sure. No, I'm talking about working in a lab, uh, whatever one does there, develop pictures, I suppose. I mean, he was a technician in a uh, uh, photographic lab of some sort. So he was on the other end of photography, which is actually developing the pictures. And remember, yes. folks, this is before we had digital cameras, so you actually needed people like that. And there were no software, there were no computers, so you couldn't doctor them. Uh, Augie, actually, just for the record, uh, he, he was sort of a professional photographic hobbyist. He did earn money at it, but he did have a day job as well. And I remember um, he made quite a thing about uh, being a glamour photographer. He showed a few of those photographs around. Uh, he was available for, you know, the usual thing, uh, birthdays, weddings, and bar mitzvahs. And he was a good uh, photographer. And um, uh, there was no, there's no uh, question about it. And he knew what he was doing. And uh, again, I, I emphasize, he was very honest about it. Um, and he knew, he could tell right away what was fake and wasn't, what wasn't. In fact, this short anecdote, he said uh, there was a contactee who wanted to have, who, uh, I, I, whose photograph I wanted. I asked him to have a picture of, his, of the photograph of his UFO, and he wouldn't give it to me. So I made it and gave it to him. He said, where did you get this from? I didn't give it to you. He said, I, I made it in my lab. And that was Augie Roberts. Well, you know, we should mention there is this, another totally different picture uh, that Augie made of a alleged UFO. And this one is not nearly so well known. And I, I don't remember the details, but he was taking pictures over the Hudson River one night. And this roundish uh, object appeared, I believe, in more than one picture. Uh, but now I am not a uh, professional photographer at all, but you look at these and it looks like some sort of lens reflection, some sort of internal thing. It's round but not quite. 
it's it's rather faint compared to the uh, buildings and stuff that you're looking at in the background of the picture. But uh, the funny thing is that picture was uh, published in George Adamski's first book with the wrong caption. The caption talks about the sky uh, watch picture, but the one they show is the one off of uh, over the Hudson River. One of the errors of time never corrected in reprints. We have Jim Mosley, editor, publisher, chief cook, and bottle washer of Saucer Smear. We have broadcaster Bob Zanotti. With Gene and Chris, we're going back through the hands of time. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo Tote Bag... All sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children. Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. That's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. 
Listen, have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. For a long time, you've heard me talk about building your own food supply with eFoods Direct. As a listener, you know why you need to have a supply of the best storable food on the planet. Every day, we document the attempts to take control of our lives. But there's one thing we can all control, your greatest dependency, food. eFoods Direct products are made with only the best ingredients and none of the trash and contaminants like trans fats, GMOs, or MSG. This food is nutrient-dense and tastes great. It's simple to make, portable, and has a shelf life of up to 25 years. Now with eFoods Direct, you'll get the most affordable, best-tasting food you can buy. And the new products and pricing will blow you away. Compared to other food sources, including home-cooked meals, you can cut your food cost in half. You just can't afford to ignore this. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex for specials. Don't let this offer pass you by. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. More the best for less guaranteed. This is Kurt Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. We continue back to the past or back to the future, whatever you want to say about it, with Bob Zanotti and Jim Mosley. So what do you think, Chris? What do you think about reliving the past of the UFO field? Well, these, you know, these wonderful books that are being mentioned are some of the stuff that I cut my teeth on as a kid uh, reading early books uh, from the early contactees in the 50s. And, and you know, I always um, felt that some of the claims were a little too fantastic. And and it wasn't until I really got into uh, more serious uh, authors, uh, at least I thought they were more serious, like John Keel and Jacques Vallée, that I really started to, to, to be completely convinced that there was something to a lot of these claims uh, of contactees. Having had an experience at seven years old, of course, I I've had a lifelong interest in this subject, but you know this is all fascinating to me, and I, I really, um, I really applaud uh, the efforts of you guys uh, back there in, in in the early days of this. Uh, and I, I think it's it's going to be interesting to get your insight onto you know how we've gotten to where we are today, and and whether we really know that much more. I kind of sometimes think we don't. We've mentioned earlier. Jim was talking about the UFO convention, this big one he held in New York. Roy Finnis was supposed to be a key lecturer, and he basically bowed out of a couple of sessions. Maybe he had too much to drink the night before. We're not going to suggest. But instead, no, Jim... No, it wasn't quite that. He had uh, what we called at the time the Roy Finnis disease, which had something <laughs> to do with problems with the bowels. That's what I meant to say. Well, we won't go into the details of that. Use your imagination. But the speaker who spoke in his stead, one of those occasions at least, was Alexander McNeil, who also appeared on Coffee Clutch. Uh, My first contact was on August 27, 1952, at 10.22 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It happened in Oceanside, New York. It happened in back of a firehouse, which had like a creek or a swamp area at the time. I saw an object 
10 feet high, 30 feet in diameter. It changed in colors from bluish white, bluish green, reddish orange, and bright yellowish white amber. It carried red and blue navigational lights on the sides, and it had like a V-shaped antenna going up toward the into the sky, and a V-shaped antenna coming down toward the ground, which I believe to have been landing rods. I saw little men about three feet tall, dressed in a green garment. Their skin color was uh, reddish brown, which means that they come from an area which is very close to a sun planet, or a sun area, which is probably in the Alpha Centauri area. And they had no shoes, and they had uh, four, sh uh, four little toes and a claw, which extended from the right and left foot. And another thing about this uh, incident, which even terrifies me to this day, is that when these people step on the mud, they seem to hover like, or they seem to sink slightly in the mud. But when I stepped on the mud, I went up to my waist. In it. What type of message do these telepathic communications from these spaceships bring you? Oh, they have, uh, they have warned me that certain airline crashes are going to occur. Many of them are caused by UFOs. They are uh, caused by the electrical interference that they set up around the craft. You see, when we go around, uh, when a saucer comes near an airliner, it sets off uh, an ization layer, which uh, creates a friction uh, device, which uh, is like an invisible wall in the sky. And a plane, when it hits it or it gets caught in it, it's torn to shreds. I've had balls of fire fall from the sky when I signaled, and uh, there was people present in the area at the time. At one time, flying saucers came from space, and they li lived in an area called Atlantis or Atlantia. And different people from forms of life, there was a large wall that circled our base of operations, which was called Atlantis. And these people lived in the sea. Then there was people who lived in the, in the large area that had conveniences like things of the future, where you will have uh, cars that will run on no power at all. They will fly through the air w without wheels. They will hover by uh, levitation, like sound will actually hold them up. There is two rocks. Major rock is in the Great Pyramid in Egypt, and there is one at Easter Island in the uh, South uh, Pacific. These uh, rocks are uh, created of a force friction field. And when these rocks both come together, when the great seal is open or moved from space, which is coming, these rocks will admit it or emit signals of a high frequency, which will be blown like wind. When the wind hits it, it will cause uh, the things to rise from the Great Pyramid and from Easter Island. Not only that, it will cause Atlantis slowly to rise out of the sea. It will be done by something under the sea. Some type of uh, erection has been uh, created under the sea. That is why sources have been going into our oceans. They have been submerging and they've been completely doing something at the bottom of the sea. I do not know what this thing is that they have been doing, but there has been earthquakes or uh, sea quakes under the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean. There is a, there is a way of proving my point. I will say over the mic, uh, I will communicate with sources, or try, and uh, we'll see if we can get flying sources over the Jersey area or Delaware area, 
to the base in the Antarctic try to send UFOs at a very, very high altitude, move from north to south. Uh, somebody is laughing. They think I am fooling, but we will be seeing flying saucers very shortly. We will have a heavy concentration of flying saucers in the next space shot, which is coming up in two weeks. Of course, two weeks later, the space shot, no influx of flying saucers, Jim, huh? Yeah, let me Barefoot just, uh, aliens from another star system. The attack of the barefoot aliens. I can see the movie now. Incidentally, Gene, I'm sure you remember that program with Alexander McNeil because you were there along with Jack Robinson. Well, the voice you heard was that of Jack Robinson, and you'll be hearing from him later in the show because he has a very unusual encounter, possibly dear or related, to relate then. And just a, a timeline on this. Uh, let, let's not forget, I believe, I don't have it right in front of me. Most of these uh, dates are marked here, but I think that was 1965. So we're going back a long time. And what he said about things of the future, that doesn't sound particularly impressive today, but you go back uh, 45 years and, uh, well, we might speculate that somehow he was slightly ahead of his time. Yeah, I was just going to throw in the fact that Alexander McNeil as I told you, was just caught at the last moment uh, and asked to uh, substitute for Roy Finnis, and he uh, graciously agreed to do so, but he was uh, so good and so entertaining that the audience loved it. I think they liked his talk better than the one that actually was done uh, by Roy Finnis. And the big thing was uh, Alex McNeil was free, unlike uh, a thinnest who came in at great expense from California. Uh, there's a moral there somehow, and I think we should all look for it. Incidentally, uh, um, uh, Jim, uh, ironically, I remember uh, talking to Jack Robinson about this on one of the shows, or actually off the air, that um, Alexander McNeil was very well known for his attendance, his regular attendance at those uh, lectures. And um, he, he didn't lecture at that time. This was before he was allowed to lecture. He would usually have a group in the back of the room and attracted quite a bit of attention there because he, he told a very interesting story. And I, I think um, he was articulate. He was coherent, more or less. I mean, the content of what he said we could discuss. But, I mean, at least you could follow what he was saying. That could not have been said for all of the people who made it to the show. And you, you know the kind of people I'm talking about. Well, there's a clip later on from 1966 featuring somebody whom you will never be able to understand, although we've done the best we can to clean up the audio. And you have too, Bob. We have to realize here these are recordings that were made back in the 1960s and Bob I guess you're a pack rat you recorded pretty much every episode right <laughs> well Gene you're bringing back you're really uh, jogging my memory there and I remember it like yesterday because you were there on so many of these uh, programs you were a regular on the show and Jack and it was the sort of this New York group and you know in those days it was really um, you know backpack radio you had to lug in one of these old voice of music, uh, four-track tape recorders, and the sound quality was not always ideal because we had to borrow mics 
uh, Jack Robinson. We'd uh, record very often in the field, as we would say, in Jack's apartment. I and remember would, those segments. So of course, oh, oh, you yeah. were limited to the quality of the tape recorder. And you had yeah. one very similar to the one I had. So I remember that one. We have Bob Zanotti, radio broadcaster, who was host in the 1960s of the Coffee Clots radio show. Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear. You're with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Jim Mosley, Bob Zanotti with Gene and Chris in the Paracast, wearing our propeller heads as we go back through time to the 1960s to explore the New York UFO scene and some of the colorful personality some of the unusual cases. And one of the more interesting characters at that time was a guy named Dominic Lucchesi, who was part of the original group that started Saucer News with you. Jim, tell us about Dom. Well, he worked for Bendix Aviation as a, uh, well, he called it a, a lead man, which would be like a foreman. Uh, he was a little bit above the other people in salary, hopefully, and uh, that was his uh, profession. He had a uh, ability at uh, mechanical things. His hobbies were not so much saucers at the beginning. He was into the occult, just like Robinson was. And I believe that he had a large library of strange books of all kinds. So, yes, he was an unusual guy, very interesting. And uh, I uh, enjoyed his company many times. He was also a bit of a contrarian, wasn't he? He'd like to stir an well, argument. Well, uh, what he would do, uh, I'm not sure what we might have been arguing about on the air, but he would go to parties of mine once in a while, and he would find somebody who he could uh, give the business to in a very organized way. If somebody had a peculiar belief, he would uh, just pick that belief apart, whether... It was something that he really agreed with himself, or if it was something else. So right now we have a segment here where Jim Mosley and Dom Lucchesi, well, as they say, Dom wanted to pick a fight, and maybe that's what happened here. You're familiar, I believe, with, with alloys 
You know that a great number of new alloys are invented each year on our planet. I think it runs into the thousands. However, there are some which are definitely not invented as yet. I believe that if you had an artifact which constituted an alloy, of course, it would have certain properties, maybe of heat resistance or what have you, that none of our alloys have. And if this were found, uh, then you could certainly say that it was uh, made on the planet, right? Why don't you use the term none of our known alloys? That's what I just said. In other words, what you're trying to say, Jim, is that uh, this scientist whom you would select in order to, uh, uh, we might say, uh, this metallurgist, which he would have to be, in order to uh, get a uh, concise uh, spectrographic analysis of this uh, particular alloy, uh, would be familiar with all the alloys being developed by our secret uh, labs and everything like that on this planet. Is that you correct? seem to have a great talent at uh, misunderstanding me, uh, Mr. Lucchesi. Uh, suppose it is known, just as an example, that nothing made on Earth can withstand a heat above a certain number of degrees, say 10,000 uh, degrees, and say suddenly something is put forth that can withstand a heat of 20,000 degrees, and suppose the scientist does have a pretty good access to what is being done by the main nations on Earth, particularly the United States and Russia, and he would certainly know then that this is something that has not been produced on Earth. Right? I'm basing this all on supposition, though, Mr. Mosley. Supposition? After all, we have to realize one thing. There only is a limited number of elements. These elements are universal in nature, and therefore any alloy would be a composite of these various elements which are the within the group of the uh, of atomic weights. You're telling us basic and, uh, physics, which I'm familiar with. I'm well, saying that alloys, as you know, working in this sort of thing, I believe yourself, that an alloy can have uh, properties which the uh, individual elements don't. And as you invent new ones, why would they bother to make new alloys if this is not true? I think that if you took the time out to speak to a qualified metallurgical uh, researcher, you would find that uh, most alloys uh, are relatively well known. The temperature uh, ranges of these alloys, of course, even the alloys which have not uh, been compounded yet, uh, will be known because they will depend uh, basically on the inherent uh, capabilities of the molecule to withstand these uh, temperature ranges. And uh, due to the fact that they are being compounded from the 98 elements, the 98, we might say, uh, elements which are not uh, uh, created artificially in our atomic uh, Actually, uh, Dominic, there are 92 natural elements and 10 additional artificial ones if you're interested in some information. That is, that is the correct Well, number. regardless of what this amount is, it still uh, would have to be qualified. I don't think that this would be a very good criteria of determining something that's coming from another planet. Ship. Well, that's interesting. That's fascinating because of the fact that you correct Dom, who's the engineer, the scientific guy, Jim, Correcting yes, him on well, the number of natural exactly. elements. I, I had forgotten that, but uh, let's just analyze it. I mean, if Dom was so great at scientific knowledge, it is very strange indeed that he would not know the number of natural elements because I have no background in science and I happen to know that. And it's interesting that by now I think we have roughly 20 artificial elements that go up to about 115 or something. I think it's 118. It's still 92 natural elements. That is correct. I looked it up. Well, I'm glad you did. You see, we I have Google. It, I think it has to be said here that, uh, at least that was my impression, talking to Dom, Dom, he did know a lot. There was no question about it. He was a radio ham. He was a technician. 
So, I mean, he did have a lot of knowledge, but I think his, his sort of role or perceived role in this New York group or circle, he was sort of the, the scientist in quote. He was also the iconoclast. Uh, he was the devil's advocate and he enjoyed doing verbal battle with people. I think the clip that we heard just a moment ago is a classic Dom Lucchesi. He was a very cynical individual. Later on in life, before he actually died, I understand he, he really got extremely cynical and, um, went into the dark side, uh, Jim. That's the, the story that I heard. I don't know really that much about his last days. I know he was uh, born with uh, a congenital heart disease. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now. But he uh, had health problems all his life, and his heart trouble got worse later. By that time, we're up at least into the 70s. I didn't see as much of Dom uh, by any means as I had previously. But he, he died at quite a young age with some complications uh, from this heart disease. I saw him for the last time at one of your parties, and they were very good parties. I think you were down, you weren't in uh, it's Fort Lee anymore. I think you were down in, a, was it Weehawken or Hoboken or something at one well, that time? Well, yeah. Actually, it was probably Guttenberg. Guttenberg, uh, that's right. Guttenberg. Yeah, Guttenberg that's is named after the guy that first published the Bible, uh, on a printing press, the inventor of the printing press. Yeah. And so in that way, it's easy to remember. It's a tiny little town that's sandwiched in between those others that you mentioned. Very fast. Yeah, I used to have parties there. Well, you are saying what I did. Uh, Dom just enjoyed arguing with people for the sake of arguing, and uh, he didn't necessarily even believe what he was saying himself. Could I just add this? We're talking about parties in New York. Okay, New York is a big city and lots of people. And I'm not well plugged into this the way you are, but I had the impression that there was nothing quite like the New York group or the New York circle. It was vibrant. There was always something going on. There was the lecture groups. There were parties, informal meetings. People went to other people's houses. This was before the days of the Internet. There was no Skype. There was even a long-distance phone call. Uh, you had to see your banker first. So people met and talked, and there was a lot of excitement about these things and a, a feeling of adventure and discovery, which I don't think we have anymore today. Well, I think you may be exaggerating a bit there. Uh, we, you know, kept in touch with each other, but I don't know if the feeling of excitement was so great, except that we felt, at least most of us did, that we were looking into not just an interesting hobby, but something that was fundamentally very important to mankind. And we probably thought that sometime very soon, the solution to this saucer mystery would come along. And, and need I add that so many years later, it hasn't come along yet. So uh, <laughs> there again, there's yeah. a moral somewhere. Can I just qualify this very briefly? When I say excitement, there was maybe the word speculation is important here, because in those days, Science was not what it is today. We've been to the moon, or most people believe we have. We know a lot more about space. We've got the Hubble telescope. We've got all this stuff. So the element of speculation and, and almost childlike wonder is out of it. Uh, I remember those days when people would speculate about the saucers and who was in them and where they came from. And now, of course, with, with scientific, more and more scientific evidence, the room for speculation has gotten smaller. That's what I meant when I used the term um, uh, you know, excitement. It seemed more exciting at the time. The sense of wonder in New York ufology, 1960s. We also wonder if you won't send us a tweet at the Paracast, the Paracast on Twitter. Bob Zanotti, Jim Mosley with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. For a long time, you've heard me talk about building your own food supply with eFoods Direct. As a listener, you know why you need to have a supply of the best storable food on the planet. Every day, we document the attempts to take control of our lives. But there's one thing we can all control, your greatest dependency, food. eFoods Direct products are made with only the best ingredients and none of the trash and contaminants like trans fats, GMOs, or MSG. This food is nutrient-dense and tastes great. It's simple to make, portable, and has a shelf life of up to 25 years. Now with eFoods Direct, you'll get the most affordable, best-tasting food you can buy. And the new products and pricing will blow you away. Compared to other food sources, including home-cooked meals, you can cut your food cost in half. You just can't afford to ignore this. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex for specials. Don't let this offer pass you by. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. More the best for less guaranteed. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we explore the New York UFO scene, the voices of the past from the 1960s, fascinating people, sometimes a little over the top, enjoying the things they had to say and some of the ideas they had to present. Now, here's another example, Jim, of where you and Dom had a bit of a brush up over something. You ready for this one? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I just want to bring up uh, one thing here, uh, Jim, uh, mainly for clarification. There may be many listeners who have not uh, familiarized themselves with these various discussions uh, concerning uh, uh, so-called saucer research. Now, you call your organization the Unexplained Celestial... Uh, what is it? Events Research Society. In fact, mm-hmm. you, you helped me uh, organize it. Yeah, well, originally, when you originally... Uh, when you originally took that over, that was known as Nexus. Uh, you will agree to that, Jim. I changed and, the name, uh, yeah. Nexus was only, uh, the only connotation there was it was a connecting link for the dissemination of information to various individuals uh, who are interested in this subject. Now, your organization investigates so-called flying saucers, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, is there any proof that such a thing as flying saucers exists? Well, haven't, haven't we gone all through this? No, I, I'm, I'm just doing this to clarify a point. Well, we were talking about the $1,000 reward. I yeah. said that there apparently is no one able to I come see. forth with proof, and therefore I even oh. went so far as so to So therefore, your, your organization is, is, is researching something which uh, is, there, there is no proof for its existence. It's sort of an unknown uh, uh, research thing. In other words, you're researching something which is unknown. So the point is this. Wouldn't you say that rather that you are investigating uh, a phenomena? And wouldn't you also agree and admit uh, that most researchers, and I'm not specifically referencing you, Mr. Mosley, by no means, uh, most researchers have a tendency to bring in all cert- unrelated or any odd happening and in some way psychologically uh, connecting it. We might use it psychologically and psychotically uh, uh, hooking it up in some way or referencing it with saucers. In other words, anything which is beyond their their explanation or anything in some way is immediately tied in with saucers. Pancakes, potatoes, uh, grease, whole uh, meteorites. I mean, would you agree on this? Well, you have a very good point there, and uh, first of all, from the uh, title of our organization itself, you'll find that we do feel qualified or equally qualified to investigate anything unusual, especially if it has to do with sky phenomena, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And I would also say that you are right in assuming that people who are interested in flying saucers are interested in unknown things of all kinds, such as monsters, such as Fortean events, as we call them, any strange thing that happens or falls from the sky, anything having to do with poltergeists or ghosts and so on. Now, currently, especially in the last two or three years, I've tried to put in as much as I can of this type of thing in my magazine, not only because I'm interested in it, but because I know that the same people who are interested in saucers are interested in these other fields. I only want to tell you that the fields are not necessarily connected, and they are probably separate. And I don't think that anyone should confuse flying saucers, which are apparently solid objects in the sky, with psychic phenomena or any of the other things which we are also equally interested in, but in a different way. 
God. Yeah, well, of course, you realize that the reason I brought that out was I did want you to qualify. I, I happen to know uh, that this is the way you feel about the organization, and I just wanted it qualified that it was not strictly an organization that has a tendency to investigate unknown <laughs> uh, events. Jack Robinson. Dom, wouldn't you say that there's just about as much evidence for a UFO as there are for cosmic rays? I would say that there is much evidence for anything which is unidentified. I certainly would not be able to specifically reference this against any known facts, figures, or data. Therefore, we uh, still remain when we uh, try to classify an unknown in an unknown category, and it's still unexplained. Uh, so, how can we make any specific reference as to an object, thing, and it, or give it a nomenclature referencing... Uh, uh, these specific uh, objects or objects or phenomena involved. Yes. Uh, yes. I never realized how good I was uh, on the radio. You were always extremely eloquent and oh, articulate, Jim, and I was always impressed by that. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't, you know, I was in my early 20s. I wasn't the master of the microphone yet. We were all learning at the time, and uh, I was always uh, delighted to have you on because you were such a good storyteller and extremely articulate. You know, it was fun uh, also, Jim, to listen to Dom, the way he would bring up these arguments. And this is not the only example. There were several times that you and Dom had dust-ups on Bob's show. Well, he was, you can tell how he drags in all kinds of words that he probably can't even clearly define <laughs> himself. He was talking above his own head, you might say, just for the sake of uh, saying something, although I guess it was good radio, so it was all right. I'm glad you said that, Jim, because I think you're spot on there. I, I think he missed his calling. He should have been a prosecuting attorney. <laughs> yeah, that would have been uh, something he could have considered. He certainly would have made more money than he did. He actually, uh, even though he had a good job at Bendix, he barely made a living because uh, he had, I think, three children and a wife. And, you know, it costs to live. It still does. And nothing has changed about that. But he was some character, really a fascinating character. Now... Over the years, Jim, you had this group of people who helped you found Saucer News, Augie and Dom, but they didn't have any participation after those early times, right? They didn't have what? They didn't do much with you other than well, show up at I parties was, uh, or radio shows. I was the one that actually typed it, I believe, and at least I was the one that, that took it to the printer and paid the bill to the printer. So I would say uh, that they were with me at the beginning, but <laughs> not to the same extent that I was, if that makes any sense. Well, when it came to paying the bills, the printing bills, then let Jim do it. Well, yes, uh, probably I had more money uh, than they did. It's always been uh, a legend in the saucer field that I was infinitely rich, and perhaps that was true way back then, but I can tell you it's not true anymore now, but that's a long story. Jim Mosley, however, was not the Warren Buffett of the UFO field, contrary to some people's opinions. Uh, no one ever really can, uh, compared me to Warren Buffett, but I'm glad that you did. I think he's older than you. That's one difference, other than having slightly more money. Yes. <laughs> but these were interesting characters, and we have others, by the way. This is not the end of it. In future segments, we'll have Jim again talking about one of the notorious, shall we say, UFO contactees, Howard Menger, 
who supposedly was building his own flying saucer at the time. We'll hear from that guy with the aluminum foil band around his head to ward off evil spirits or deros, the mystic barber, Yona Fortner. And Jack Robinson later on the show is going to talk about the incredible case of a friend of his, Steve Brody, a case where he says this is what got him interested in UFO and occult studies. It's kind of a long segment, which you'll be hearing later in the show. So we've got a lot of meat to present. And nobody should miss it. Definitely not. This is stuff where Bob spent hours and hours listening to the old recordings, digitizing them, submitting them to me, and then I gave them a, shall we say, a shaven haircut to get rid of some of the background noise and bring them up to date. Bob Zanotti, broadcaster, Jim Mosley, something or other. With Gene and Chris, we haven't figured out what we are, but we know that you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. You may snicker when you hear this message, but you won't laugh after you experience the best-kept health secret ever, camel milk. Camel milk is loaded with health benefits far superior to other milk. Camel milk has antibacterial, antiviral, and anti-tumor properties, is rich in B vitamins, and camel milk is three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk and ten times higher in iron. And camel milk contains 52 units of insulin-like proteins per liter, effectively lowering blood sugar levels. Many of our members testified that drinking camel milk reversed diabetes and greatly improved autism. 
Camel milk is easily digested by those who are lactose and beta casein intolerant and comes fresh or frozen from your trusted local family farm shipped on dry ice to preserve freshness. Go to CamelMilkForSale.com now and look under Products and Pricing for this spring special with free bonus pints. That's CamelMilkForSale.com, CamelMilkForSale.com. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800 800- 346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. This is Kurt Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. With Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear and a case of the noisy air conditioner. With Bob Zanotti, who doesn't need an air conditioner, or do you? In Switzerland. Oh, no, not in this country. Okay. And Chris O'Brien in a place in Arizona where maybe the air conditioner need is questionable. And Gene Steinberg where it's 80 degrees in Phoenix, Arizona. So I do need an air conditioner. Keep all the equipment from breaking down. Now, in the early days, you did a story, Jim, about someone you called the Jersey Adamski. And that was Howard Menger, a contactee from New Jersey, who, like George Adamski, met people allegedly from the planet Venus. Now, I thought of the song from Paul McCartney, Venus and Mars are all right tonight. Before we hear you talking about your encounter with Howard Menger back in 1963, tell us more about him. Well, I never really bothered to study the details of what he had seen and what he had done. The only time I really got to know Howard Menger to any degree was the time that he was one of the main speakers at this classic uh, convention that I had in New York in 1967. He was uh, one of the featured speakers, and he and his wife stayed at my apartment in New York, and I was staying at the Commodore Hotel, which is where the convention was being held. So uh, during that visit, I got to know him quite well, and what I liked about Howard Menger more than anything else, I made it pretty clear to him all along in a polite way that I didn't really buy his uh, story, as Long John might have put it, but uh, I did respect him and like him, and he he didn't hold that against me, which was uh, unusual. Now, Uh, interesting, Jim, there was a time, a couple of years before that, where you and I met Menger at this diner across the street from your offices in New York City. That's when he started getting on this kick where he didn't think he really contacted E.T. It was some kind of government experiment. Remember yes, that? that? Yes, that's right. Well, again, I don't know the details, but uh, this is very amusing, I think. For a short time, Long John had a TV show, 
and only his elite uh, of, of his uh, guests were invited on it, and I was not. But uh, Howard Menger was, and I uh, did not even hear or see the uh, TV show, but it became legendary. When uh, Menger got on the show, uh, he, he was on this new kick, as you just uh, suggested, and he had decided somehow that the entities he saw and the experiences that he had were somehow connected with the American government and were not connected with space at all. And I hear tell that Long John almost had a heart attack. He didn't expect this. The whole idea of having him on was to talk about flying saucers from outer space, and uh, he had changed his whole story completely, and uh, it wasn't what Long John wanted to hear. I don't know if it was what the audience wanted to hear, but that was the last time, I'm sure, that... Uh, Menger was on any uh, Long John shows, uh, radio or television. And sometime later, you did a session on Bob's show where you talked about Howard Menger and his plans to build a flying saucer. Well, there's a number of new things. I might mention, for example, that uh, Howard Menger has been very active lately. I've never been a particular fan of Mr. Menger's, but uh, he is a person who is very well known in the field. You may recall that a number of years ago, he had space contacts. Now, however, uh, he is no longer having space contacts, or if he is, he will not say so. He is now in the free energy field, and he is currently in an unknown location in Pennsylvania building a craft which he calls the X-4. This is to be a model, not a thing large enough for a human being to go up in, but simply a model which, uh, when it is completed, will be radio-controlled and uh, will be operating on a new principle which Menger claims to have invented by himself or possibly with some help from the space people, although he will not admit to this. So I had an interview recently with Mr. Menger and found it quite interesting, and he says that as soon as he has this model ready to operate, he will let me know, and he will have a special test demonstration at which several scientists will be present, I'm not a scientist, but I, uh, I believe I will also be allowed to be present. There will be an Air Force colonel there, according to Mr. Menger, and after this successful, or we hope successful, demonstration, then there will be a convention. I believe that uh, after he has a successful demonstration with this particular model, he will either sell the model or he will create several identical ones or improved ones and sell them. He's talking about eventually getting an eight-foot job, which will have a person in it, and which will presumably be controlled by the uh, person that is in the craft. However, at the present, he's only got radio-controlled models. Now, frankly, I want to make it clear, I don't have any particular faith in whether this will work or not. All I know is that Mr. Menger was kind enough to tell me all about it and give me a rather exclusive story for my magazine, and beyond that, I really know nothing. I haven't seen the craft, I haven't seen the place in Pennsylvania where Menger is working, and I can not give any first-hand information on how much of this is true. And the timeline on that, uh, Gene, was 1963. Fifty-nine years later, we're still waiting, right, Jim? <laughs> yes, I don't think he ever really succeeded in doing all that. At least I never heard about it. Kind of reminds me of Stephen Greer and uh, his contactee experiences sort of morphing into the whole realm of free energy devices that uh, are, uh, we're still waiting to see. I'm yeah. thinking Otis T. Carr, remember him? He was building a saucer, too, that never materialized. 
Yes. Didn't it turn out to be uh, some kind of a uh, exhibit or uh, ride or something at a at, at a carnival or uh, amusement park out in Oklahoma City, or have I got that mixed up? Well, the version of the story I heard from some audio I remember was that uh, uh, he was quite serious. In fact, he, if I remember correctly, you were invited to take a test ride in it. I think Long John Nebel was also invited but couldn't make it because of a dinner arrangement at that time. God, watch out for those dinner well, arrangements. They really hurt your scheduling. Yeah. Jackie Gleason, I think, was also invited. But uh, what happened was nothing, and I believe uh, there was an incident there where uh, Otis T. Carr tried to commit suicide because of his inability to to uh, provide what he had promised. And I'm not, I'm very hazy about some of this, but uh, I think possibly he found a way to get himself admitted to the hospital so he did not have to make good on his claims. I believe, yes, yes, that's correct. He probably pretended to try to commit suicide so he'd be out of sight when everybody realized that this thing wasn't ever going to work and he didn't want to face the people that uh, probably had put money into it. And also face the authorities who might try to arrest him. Well, I'm too sick, I'm crazy, you don't want to arrest a person <laughs> who is mentally ill, right? Yeah, I never, I never met him, but he must have been an interesting character. We had so many of those back in the 60s, and I have to kind of think here that we don't have that kind of character these days, and we've got another one in the next segment that I'll tell you about. But, yeah, we didn't have such, as they say, over-the-top characters. Today, they tend to be more straight ahead, even if the stories are completely crazy. Well, I think they're more practiced at, at putting on a veneer of sanity so that they'll pass muster with at least part of the public, yeah. In those days, they could be as outlandish as they could be. They could wear those propeller heads and do all those crazy things. And people would accept them, put them on TV, put them on radio, and pay attention and buy their books. Today, if you want to sell a saucer book, good luck. Yeah, today it's important to marry fantasy with pseudoscience. That's the magic uh, formula today. Uh, back in the, the 50s and 60s, people enjoyed a good show, and as you say, uh, they could say anything they wanted, the wilder the better, and people lapped it up. Today, of course, we have them competing with 24-7 cable news, and they have to find the stories, but these days it's more about politics and show business personalities, unfortunately. Bob Zanotti, radio broadcaster, joining us. Jim Mosley, who's the editor-publisher of Saucer Smear, and we'll let you know in the next segment how to get a copy. You're with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. And now another CentOS Game Changer with sports broadcaster Aaron Andrews. I'm standing in the store of a major retailer in Boston with John, the regional manager. John, how do you have time to stay focused on your customers? Well, a detailed playbook and support from a team of pros like CentOS for fire protection. Now, CentOS is known for uniforms, but they're players in fire safety too? They are. CentOS provides us with complete fire testing, inspection, and repair. Extinguishers, emergency lights, sprinklers, alarms... The safety rule book for retail stores is pretty strict. How does CentOS compete? Well, I used to have to call a sprinkler guy, an alarm guy, basically a different guy for everything. But now with one call, CentOS ensures we meet all regulations. Sounds like bringing in CentOS for fire safety was a winning move. For more, let's go to the booth. Fire protection is one of many expert services CentOS can tackle for your business. Don't call multiple companies. Call 1-800-CINTAS-6 or visit CentOS.com slash radio and tell them to bring in the team with the white truck. Don't answer it. How can I stop these annoying collection calls? Imagine being free from your debt without settling and with no payment plan, no negotiating or filing bankruptcy, and no attorneys. What if you could eliminate the risk from all your unsecured debt in about 90 days and keep all your money? You can. It's called Zero Debt Guarantee, and it works. There's no other program of its kind on the planet, and we guarantee the results in writing. Call now, 800-477-9256. Let our team of experts provide you with resources to fight back, stop collection calls, and prevent and stop wage garnishments and bank levies. If you're facing foreclosure, we can help. Don't go it alone. Get free information now by calling 800-477-9256. Talk to an expert who has also completed our program. Call 800-477-9256 for free info or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's 800-477-9256 or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. 
this is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Exploring the 1960s in the UFO field in New York with Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear, and Bob Zanotti, radio broadcaster with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. Jim, we're all waiting with bated breath. I'm going to take the bait out of my breath right now, right out of my nose. There it goes. Waiting with bated breath, Jim Mosley, how do we get a copy of Saucer Smear? I thought you would never ask, yes. And I wasn't going to ask, but you bribed me. Saucer Smear, you can get a uh, free sample copy uh, by sending in your name and address to uh, my mailing address, which is the only address that I use. And that's P.O. Box 1709, Key West, two words, Key West, Florida, 33041. And then if you'd like the sample copy, you could send us a uh, love offering, as uh, many people have done in the past and going on into the present. And, uh, of course, we're very happy to have more people who we call non-subscribers, because there is no subscription price. Uh, you send in any amount that you consider reasonable, and uh, we accept it, which is very unusual. Jim, just a very quick question here. At what point in time and why did Saucer News become Saucer Smear? Well, that's an interesting question. I actually uh, dropped uh, Saucer News at a given point. Uh, Gray Barker took it over uh, for a short time in the very late 60s into perhaps 1972. And then there was a a gap, uh, and I started up again because uh, Barker just dropped the ball. He couldn't afford to keep the thing going, apparently. So when I came back, I said, well, I'm going to do it differently. I'm not going to try to have uh, serious, long-winded stories by researchers, and I'm not going to try to keep up with everything in the field. I'm just going to enjoy myself. And one of the ways I enjoyed myself was to think of a whatever cute, interesting, or funny uh, title for the magazine, and that's how Saucer Smear came about. Now, for a while, you had a different name for the magazine every issue. Yeah, that was a strange period, yeah. That was around the mid-'70s. And finally, uh, well, Eric Bechtjord, who uh, is another strange character that goes a long way back, he, he was mainly into Bigfoot, among other things. But he claimed uh, that he was the one that suggested Saucer Smear to be my permanent title. And when I refused to, to uh, confirm that and make a big thing of it in the magazine, he became somewhat bitter. But that's another long story. Yeah, I'll tell you what, we Smear. had some really crazy characters. I'm going to have one more really out-of-this-world outrageous person so, Bob Zanotti, who was the Mystic Barber, or what was the Mystic Barber? Also known as the Tonsortial Artist of Brooklyn, which gives a little bit of a way. And I think um, we have to be very um, complete here about his ethnicity. He was, I believe, first-generation Sicilian. And um, I, I speak Italian, and I speak a little bit of English, so I, I can tell in his speech pattern one of the reasons why people have always had difficulty in understanding him is because he mixes Italian 
any grammar and syntax with English, and sometimes he goes completely off on a tangent. Uh, he was a big star on the Long John show in the early days, as I needn't tell you, and he did all kinds of things. He was into the Daros, the race of people lived underground. He was very big on astral projection, which of course is a still around with us today, a big, a big topic of discussion. He was one of the pioneers, can we call him? He would wear headbands that would uh, receive messages from the Martians and other extraterrestrial beings. And he had close contact with all of these people. He, uh, I think he was at the, he's gone to the center of the Earth. He went to Mars frequently. And uh, he had close contact with all of these people. And, and, and he lived and breathed this folklore. And I want to tell you, we have a clip coming up here right now, which for, for technical reasons, it was never broadcast. Not because the quality was no good, but there was a, a, a screw-up at the station where I was working, and they forgot to put it on. It was recorded after a Saucer News lecture, and this was the very last show I did at that station. And, and we understand was... why when you hear this. This is the <laughs> mystic barber, Andy Sinatra, perhaps distantly related to that other guy named Sinatra. Yeah, I think, uh, I think he claimed to be a distant uh, relative of the other Sinatra, yes. I hope, ladies and gentlemen, you understand this guy. The Daros are a physical being, people that do exist. But the problem is that Daros are uh, a group of demented people that run to the earth. You see, that's, uh, I took a trip down there, an astral trip, and they don't kill the people down there. But they're sick and demented, they are put in, in a certain section of the earth, on the ground, and they're taken there, supported there. And uh, taken care of by the, the what they call the more, the more clear-minded people, just like we have uh, institutions over here, mental institutions. That there has been that they have a lot of energy, and uh, there are certain mineral stuff there. They give off vibrations, and uh, anyone above the earth of the people we live here in that section receive these vibrations. And they probably the cause of a lot of kids being delinquent, a lot of people being delinquent because these vibrations are traveling through the earth and affecting the people on the site. Well, Andy, I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with you, basically because they've heard so much about your uh, uh, claim that you are a Martian. Have you had any uh, recent experiences with the Martians? You taken any trips to Mars? Any of them well, visited uh, your uh, home or anything recently? Well, I did. There's certain things I can't tell you what's developing up there. The Martians are a very low state of intelligence up there. Really, the science and the research work is coming from the planet Uranus. Whether the, those from the Star Nova, a lot of them escaped when they left before it exploded, and they landed in Uranus, and they started a civilization there. Tell me, uh, what is the appearance of these uh, these Uranians and the Martians? Well, what do they look to like? The, uh, planetary aspect and biochemistry there, the people in Uranus are. And the men are 20 foot tall, and the women are about 18 foot tall. And the reproduction organs are in the head. Oh, well, that should be interesting. Well, it'll show you where a set back from them. You notice when a child is born on earth here, you touch the top of his head, is soft? Yeah. Because we are offset, because they were our ancestors. I see. But being on earth here, we've gone through a biological change. Well, tell me, what are the Martians like? Well, they're like similar to us, only they're small people, about four foot tall, blue eyes. Light brown hair because being that they live in caves in the sides of the mountain, just like our Grand Canyon, you understand? Yeah. They, they don't get much sunshine, and consequently, there's a lack of sunshine, chance to cause the skin to become white and albinic action. 
they don't get much sunshine. There are people right now listening to this in their cars, and they're right now falling off the road. You know, they're just basically skidding out of control listening to this guy. He yeah, does that I, to Pete. Gene, did I hear him correctly? He said the Uranians uh, had their reproductive organs on their heads. That's right. <laughs> Listen, I, I have to tell you this, guys. Uh, Gene, you'll appreciate this because you work as you, you edit uh, all the time as well. That telephone interview with the mystic barber, Andy Sinatra, went on for about 40 minutes. And I tell you that what we just heard was the distillate of the most coherent pieces of that interview. So basically, out of 40 minutes of incoherence, you got two and a half minutes of semi-coherence. It was an exercise in really serious editing. Probably an exercise in patience. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd like to throw in a little thing. I only had one interesting experience uh, with the Mystic Barber myself. I don't remember what the exact reason was, but uh, maybe it was UN Day, maybe it was some other weird holiday, but uh, on a certain day, a mystic barber decided to have a one-man demonstration in front of the United Nations building in New York. And uh, I don't think anybody else was with us. Uh, I, I had a camera with me, and I accompanied the, the mystic barber over there. And he was standing across the street uh, from the U.N. Uh, with his strange headdress stuff and so on. I understand Johnny Depp's going to wear that in the new version of The Lone Ranger. No, that's not true. Very, very likely. But anyway, he was deliberately attracting attention. I don't think he was yelling or anything, but a cop came over <laughs> and wanted to know basically what he was up to. I think Andy pulled out some sort of ID, and he was you know, trying to explain himself incoherently. And while that was going on, I took a, a picture uh, of the cop talking to Andy, and I put this picture on the uh, cover of the next Saucer News. And I'll tell you well, what must have been one of the best-selling issues of Saucer News ever. We have Jim Mosley currently working with Saucer yeah. Smear. We have Bob Zanotti with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right. Every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237.
Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, Chris, having heard all these personalities so far, who do you think is the wackiest? Got to be the Mystic Barber, huh? Uh, the Mystic Barber, I think, is a couple of brushes short of a... <laughs> He's a couple of brushes short of something. We haven't figured out what. I, I haven't figured it out yet, but uh, boy, Bob, that was a great editing job. I never would have known that that was condensed down from 45 minutes. I always that... send along the original so you can hear it. I try to yeah. <laughs> Boy, you guys sure uh, sure had some characters back then. Uh, we don't have the quality of characters, as was pointed out in the last segment. I think we don't have the quality of characters uh, today. Prophet Yahweh is has been one of my favorites over the the last ten or so years. He was quite a character. Speaking of characters, here is somebody that I knew fairly well, and he was probably one of the most brilliant people I ever met. At the same time. That brilliance came with a wink in his eye. You didn't know whether he was telling you the truth or not or whether he was playing a word game with you. And that was none other than Yona Fortner. Jim, tell us about Yona. Well, Yona was a very complex guy. He had suffered from uh, polio uh, ever since he was maybe less than 10 years old. And, uh, of course, that's uh, a terrible handicap and. Uh, he had that throughout his life. He started out on crutches, but as he got older, he got heavier and heavier. And at a given point, I don't think he could even get around that way. But anyhow, yes, he had a brilliant mind. He was a unique guy because, for one thing, he, since he is long gone, I can say this, he could lie to you, absolutely tell you things that, were not true and could not be true and he would sound just the same just as convincing and and just as serious as if he was telling something that you knew was probably true so he'd be the guy who could beat the lie detector test i would think so yeah yona also came up with a theory of extraterrestrialism and he used the name yn ibn aharon why did he do that that was supposedly his hebrew name uh, yeah, Fortner was his stepfather's name. His uh, I forget what happened to his real father, but his mother remarried a army sergeant named Fortner. His genuine Hebrew name, or whatever you want to call it, was the uh, Ibn Aharon, which means Ibn means uh, son of, I believe, uh, in some language, <laughs> and uh, Aharon means Aharon. Now, in this particular segment, Yona is railing against a new leadership of an organization called the Borderlands Sciences Research Associates. And understand, folks, this is an organization that came out in the 1940s that was talking about creatures, beings, whatever, from other dimensions. One of the founding theories about alternative UFO research is about 4D UFOs. And this organization was talking about that. But Yona didn't like the new leadership. I'd like to ask Yona about a point he raised a little bit back. He spoke of uh, this BSRA as a defunct organization, or at least in the past tense. And uh, as those of us in saucer research know, uh, and Yona knows uh, even better, having been in BSRA for many years, 
it's uh, still a very active group out in California, and uh, maybe uh, there's some more about that we can get into, but uh, what uh, do you have against the present uh, BSRA, if anything? Well, uh, again, uh, let's have a little bit of history here. BSR is an organization which is associated with something called the 4D theory of UFOs, of flying saucers. The 4D theory is again predicated upon ancient occult concepts that tell us that the universe is the result of, of a, a set of vibrations. As you move up and down this scale of vibrations, you get a manifestation and demanifestation, and you get a whole series of parallel universes. And so according to the BSRA theory, the saucers don't come from other worlds, and yet they're not made on our world. They're made on other worlds which are next to our world. These worlds exist in the same space as we do, but not on the same level of vibration. BSRA was organized way back in 1937 by a retired university professor, Dr. Newton Mead Lane, who had been a professor of Romance languages at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, Dr. Lane lived in San Diego, California, and he, he uh, got to know, shall I say, a number of people who thought of things as he did. And the, the, they were basically way out people interested in the uh, borderland regions of uh, physics and cosmology and, and chemistry. And uh, they organized uh, the Flying Roll Group, which a few years later became Borderland Sciences Research Associates. The organization uh, enjoyed a, a certain modest celebrity among the, uh, the um, occult societies uh, here and in other countries, and uh, a good deal of prestige. Uh, and in 1957, Dr. Lane's health began to fail. So we have this uh, interesting panorama, or this interesting uh, view of, of an aging gentleman who needed a bit of money for his retirement, and so he wanted to sell out, a perfectly legitimate thing. BSRA was in effect a small business, I suppose you might say, and it did make money, which is, which is a, a great novelty in this sort of thing. The public may think that all these uh, magazines earn money, uh, so this is mm. not true. BSR is almost unique in that respect. And so he sold out to a gentleman, and this gentleman um, felt that uh, Dr. Lane had no right to sell the organization because it was a membership organization, and he adduced some kind of uh, a commentary on the laws of the state of California. And uh, Dr. Lane uh, eventually died of a cerebral hemorrhage without ever having received his money. His widow still has not received the money. Uh, meanwhile, taking advantage of the mailing list built up by Dr. Lane over a period of 20 years, uh, and this is a, the kind of undertaking where a mailing list will make, or make you or break you, you see, this fine gentleman has continued the organization and is paying himself a, a fine salary out of the proceeds. So uh, we decided that the time had come uh, to um, set up another lecture uh, opposite him 
And uh, I'm going to do what I can to talk about the history of BSRA and about the the 4D or etheric theory of, of, of the flying saucers uh, in particular. So whatever happened with that? So he was going to have a competing lecture with the new head of BSRA? Yes, uh, yeah, I had forgotten all about that. I can't give you any details. I think, yes, he deliberately had his lecture on the same night and the same time, presumably both of these would be in New York, and I guess it was a popularity contest to see how many people each lecture would uh, draw. I just don't remember the details, but that's the kind of thing that Yona would do. He never did name the guy that took over from Mead Lane, not in the section that you just played. I did know the name myself, but I can't think of it right now. So that will be lost in the annals of time. Bob, do you remember the name? I don't. Uh, I'd have to recheck the uh, the entire uh, discussion there. He may have mentioned it, but I didn't include it. If he did, I, I left it out possibly for uh, legal reasons. Well, BSRA, of course, was a pioneer organization in 4D UFO research, and we know nothing about it nowadays. Ah, uh, wait a minute. It was Riley Crabb. Riley Crabb. You're right. That. Well, yeah. now Riley Crabb's... Heirs are probably listening to this episode, and they're preparing to sue us. But sorry, Yona is long since gone. This happened in the 1960s. There's no jurisdiction. Stay away from us. Don't stay away from this. We have Jim Mosley, the editor and publisher of Saucer Smear, Bob Zanotti, radio broadcaster. And this is a fascinating session, neighbors. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.thepowercast.com, store.thepowercast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.thepowercast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic.
please stop these annoying collection calls. Imagine being free from your debt without settling and with no payment plans, no negotiating or filing bankruptcy, and no attorneys. What if you could eliminate the risk from all your unsecured debt in about 90 days and keep all your money? You can. It's called Zero Debt Guarantee, and it works. There's no other program of its kind on the planet, and we guarantee the results in writing. Call now, 800-477-9256. Let our team of experts provide you with the resources to fight back, stop collection calls, and prevent and stop wage garnishments and bank levies. If you're facing foreclosure, we can help. Don't go it alone. Get free information now by calling 800-477-9256. Talk to an expert who has also completed our program. Call 800-477-9256 for free info or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's 800-477-9256 or go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Love gardening but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, PlantSkid. PlantSkid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. PlantSkid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain. Not PlantSkid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. PlantSkid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI-listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use PlantSkid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkydd.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. PlantSkid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Yes, Yona Fortner was quite a character. Now, he told me a story, and as you say, Jim, Yona could tell stories. He said that he, after he had gone to the West Coast, don't know when that happened, he was an influence when George Lucas created the character of Yoda. He said it was based on Yoda. Uh, what was the name of the character? Okay, you never saw the Star Wars movies, did you, Jim Mosley? Uh, not that much, no. Okay. I, I always figured that I got enough science fiction in the UFO field to the point that I didn't actually need to uh, go into uh, admitted science fiction, so I kind of avoided it. Well, I knew Jonas somewhat in his final years. He sent me some copies of magazines that contained stuff about UFOs and 14 events, and then he was gone. Jonas Fortner, but also one of the pioneers in investigating ancient astronauts. No, I believe it was sometime around 2005 that Yona died. That's what I was saying. Right. He wasn't a very old man even then. He must have been in his early 70s, late 60s, something like that. Uh, could I ask a question here about uh, Yona? I, I, I have in my mind that he was, I know he was a, a theologian, very deep into theology. He was a biblical and probably Talmud scholar as well, and a great linguist. But was he actually, or wasn't he actually, also an ordained rabbi? Uh, let me take that one. He, uh, I think I mentioned before, he could tell a story with no foundation of truth as, as well as one that was true. 
he had degrees that I couldn't repeat because I don't remember them, but uh, he had at least a couple of degrees from institutions that at least I had never heard of. Whether these were real or not, I haven't the faintest clue. I never saw any proof of them. But he did say in later years, when he was still in New York before he moved out to California, he did finally get a real degree from uh, Columbia University. Now, I never saw any proof of that either. But with or without a degree, he uh, could talk endlessly and uh, very intelligently. He was really a unique character. Now, you, Jim, had a second life. You would go to Peru, and you did, shall we say, amateur archaeological expeditions, or as you called it, grave robbing. You'd retrieve yeah, ancient artifacts yeah, such. Uh, amateur archaeology sounds much, much nicer. As I get older, I, I think I'd rather call it that. Rather than confessing yourself to be a grave robber. But there was yes. a time that you went on Bob's show with Yona in 1964, where you talked about, and you can explain this after this brief segment, you talked about some buried treasure in Peru that you possibly were in a position to recover, and maybe it was worth a fair amount of money. Let's hear Jim and Yona talk about it, and then maybe Jim can give us some background. Yes, I became quite well known for my, uh, my activities, we might say, and uh, to the point that I found it uh, advisable to uh, sell my property in uh, Peru back in 1960 and 61, and uh, I haven't been back since. I know a place in uh, Peru which has a fortune in gold sitting there. It's uh, merely a, a question of having the right contacts, you might say, in order to be able to get permission to dig. And uh, In other words, any first cousin of the president of the president of Peru or... That's right. My offer to any uh, listener to your show is uh, that uh, I would be glad to talk to them if they think or feel that they have a way of getting this. I might say that there's no financial problem, there's no problem of uh, suffering through uh, jungles or deserts or anything else. I know the exact location, there's no maps needed, there's no question of uh, hunting for it and perhaps not finding it. And there's, no, and there's no question about it being there. There's no problem whatsoever except just getting the permission. So if someone thinks that they know how to do that, let them uh, get in touch with me. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, Jim, to be perfectly fair about this, the reason why that treasure is still there is because no one has been able to get permission to take it out. And it's uh, in such a public place that the authorities don't dare take it out either. But would you agree with me, Yona, from what you've heard about it, that it would run into many thousands of dollars if it were uh, dug up? Oh, I think it might go into a bit more than that. I'll tell you what, we're going to stop the segment there because we don't have enough time, but let's have the background, Jim. This is well, yeah, 1964, that, and you're talking about hidden treasure... Give us the background. Did anyone ever recover it? Well, uh, that's kind of a complicated thing. The bottom line is I'm quite sure by now that I was wrong. I, don't, I think whatever treasure was there had been dug up uh, previously. The uh, funny part, I'd have to say, is that uh, this was a, almost a historical landmark. It was one of the best-known ruins in uh, Peru. I think it was called the Temple of the Sun. And it was right next to the Pan American Highway. I guess they built a highway just because this thing was there from ancient times. 
Well, no, nobody could ever get permission to dig there because it was so obvious. It would be like doing illegal treasure hunting in Central Park would be a good uh, analogy. So uh, nothing ever came of that. I never got the permission. Uh, I, I made a few feeble efforts, but in the long run, I started to realize that whatever was there had already disappeared. Probably uh, archaeologists of the early 20th century uh, dug up the whole thing. Was this and, something uh, that you heard about or got well, some evidence it, it, about? It, 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 it was, you could say, well-known. I mean, again, the place was well-known, and you could look uh, at this fortress and uh, see holes all over the place where people had been digging in, in the past. And, and, uh, and that, see, that's why this is complicated. That is a clue that the people had been digging in the past, and if there was anything there, they would have already gotten it. Frankly, offhand, I don't know why I was so convinced that there was anything still there. There might have been some left, but most of it would be gone. Now, this is Tiwanaku? No, no. No, I forget what culture it was. It was right along the Pan American Highway, north of Lima, somewhere around uh, Trujillo, I think. Fascinating. Maybe somebody has discovered that treasure, but you felt it was worth a lot of money. So you could well, have been a multimillionaire, and maybe well, you would have uh, had yeah, as but, much uh, money as Warren Buffett had you recovered this treasure. <laughs> I, I would rather think about the uh, times that I was exactly on the right track instead of off on a tangent. Uh, again, extremely briefly, there is a very well-known area in northern Peru called, uh, 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 yes, well, we'll skip the name for right now. And, and uh, I did get permission from the ranch owner to dig, and uh, we did dig up a vast amount of pottery, and on one very uh, good day out there, a Baton Grande, of course, uh, anybody that knows Peruvian archaeology that's listening would know that name, and uh, we, well, you can, um, you can uh, give any value to it that you want, and that again depends on very complex factors, but I, I like to say now, somewhere around a half a million dollars in gold in one day, in one tomb. Wow. Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear, joining us with Bob Zanotti and Gene. And Chris, you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. For a long time, you've heard me talk about building your own food supply with eFoods Direct. As a listener, you know why you need to have a supply of the best storable food on the planet. Every day, we document the attempts to take control of our lives. But there's one thing we can all control. Your greatest dependency, food. eFoods Direct products are made with only the best ingredients and none of the trash and contaminants like trans fats, GMOs, or MSG. This food is nutrient-dense and tastes great. It's simple to make, portable, and has a shelf life of up to 25 years. Now with eFoods Direct, you'll get the most affordable, best-tasting food you can buy. And the new products and pricing will blow you away. Compared to other food sources, including home-cooked meals, you can cut your food cost in half. You just can't afford to ignore this. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex for specials. Don't let this offer pass you by. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. More the best for less guaranteed. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. This is Hilly Rose, and I hope that you do listen to the Paracast because you will learn a great deal about the paranormal. Bob Zanotti, Jim Mosley on the Paracast with Gene and Chris. Fascinating visit to the 1960s and the very unique and sometimes over-the-top or outrageous personalities. And one of the more fascinating guys that I knew then, he was one of my favorite people, certainly in addition to Jim, of course, and Bob. But we're talking about Yona, of course. Yona Fortner was one of my favorites. But also Jack Robinson. Tell us about Jack Robinson. Well, he was, you might say, a student of the occult. He, too, had a a big library. It was his hobby. And uh, when saucers became popular, he sort of transferred into that. He lived in a very modest apartment in Jersey City, and he had a 
a modest job in a bank over in Manhattan, and it took him quite a while every day to get back and forth to work. And that was his day job, and uh, about all that he was able to do, not having a lot of money to travel or anything. And he was just one of the inside circle, and he was on uh, Zanotti's show and Long John's and so forth. He was an interesting guy, long gone, that's all I can tell you. I would just like to add uh, this very quickly. He was also very big on yoga, and he was an amateur hypnotist. That is correct, yes. Yes, I saw him hypnotize somebody one time. I he, think he really knew how to do it, yeah. He was a fascinating character, and this particular story, he's taking us back to the time before he met his second wife, Mary, back in the 1940s. And the background is, at that time, he was a reader of Amazing Stories magazine. And Amazing Stories ran, I guess, novels or short novels from Richard Shaver, who claimed to have visited beings in the caves. They were first presented as science fiction, heavily edited by the editor of Amazing Stories, of course, Ray Palmer. As listeners to the PowerCast know, I met and knew Ray Palmer very slightly. I also met Richard Shaver and knew him more than slightly. We exchanged lots of correspondence over the years. But... This takes us to Jack Robinson during World War II where he's living by himself in a rooming house and meets this very curious character. Part one, Jack Robinson tells us about Steve Brody. The story happened uh, back in oh, the latter part of the year, 1944. I moved into a house, the rooming house. I later learned that Steve Brody lived down below me. He picked a larger room directly beneath mine as a studio. He painted. Steve, it seemed, did not trust people necessarily for some odd reason. He seemed to fear people. His eyes looked sad. As a matter of fact, he looked almost as if he were ready to cry. He, first of all, never ate meat. Second, he seemed to be afraid that someone might be attempting to sneak up behind him. He also had a habit of glancing back over his shoulders if he were still afraid that someone might be sneaking up behind him. If I were on the street with him at all, why, he'd, he'd continually look behind him. If anyone passed his door, he would stop and glance at the door. This I noticed when I'd be visiting him. If footsteps went past his door. He'd stop and glance at the door, make sure the door was locked, and sort of hesitate, regardless of what he was doing. I knew that it wasn't the law he was afraid of, because he seemed to be happy to talk to a policeman. Whenever I met Steve, once in a while you'd meet him in the hall, I'd mention art and uh, the fact that uh, I would also like to paint. He became a little bit less reticent with me. Then one day, he finally allowed me to come into his room. And it finally reached a point where uh, I could manage to tap on his door, and as long as I identified myself, he'd open the door. I know now that what he was painting was perhaps unconscious memory. Although at the time, he couldn't tell me where he got the ideas from. But he would paint on this canvas some of the most weird and airy-type landscapes. If you can envision a scene more drastic in color and in character than Death Valley, Painted Desert, or what have you, the scenes always seem to have more 
than one son in them. They sometimes might seem to have more than one sun, and sometimes there might even be a moon appearing. The scenes would have more than one shadow sometimes. We'll say that there were only one sun, but there would be a stronger shadow from another direction than cast by the light of that sun. And maybe low on the horizon, there might be a moon appearing. The scenes were not of this world. And I don't know why it was, but I always got the feeling when I glanced at these pictures that some odd, weird type of creature might suddenly come jumping over the hill after me or come out from behind. I always got the feeling that I didn't want to be on that uh, particular planet or place. And if I were there, I would have wanted to have le left immediately. This time of my life was in around the time when the Shaver mystery first started. And I picked up the first issue of the Shaver mystery, the one that contained I Remember Lemuria. As I came home, I ascended the stairs and noticed a light under Steve's door. After identifying myself, he let me in the room. Suddenly, Steve noticed, and while talking with him, he noticed the magazine in my, stuck in my coat pocket. It was sort of a colorful edition. I think there was red sticking out of the pocket. He says, what's that in your overcoat pocket? And uh, I told him, I said, oh, I said, it's just a book some fellow has written. It has a story in it about some people that live underground. And Steve looked startled, frightened. And then all of a sudden, he blurted out the word Dero. He has mentioned a word that he shouldn't know. Why did he know it? And I persuaded him finally. Under a very, very strict personal promise that I would not reveal what he was about to tell me. And there's only one reason why I am revealing that, as I'll tell you later on, about an incident that had happened to him. It seemed that seven years before he had met me, he was out in the West with a friend. And they were in that region because they were working in regards to sort of a pet project that Steve had. The idea was to gather sort of semi-precious stones and to mount them and sell them in sort of jewelry. And that way they managed to make a little bit of money. And uh, they went out there because there was a mesa out there which seemed to have a certain kind of stone that they particularly wished to obtain and then to probably grind down and to mount into rings or pins or what have you. They got out to the town that was nearest to the mesa, although it was a long way away. The people in this town, and I, I don't know why, I'm not sure, but I sort of gathered from questions that I threw at Steve that the town was in Arizona, although Steve would never tell me the name of the town. But the people in this town didn't want these two men to go out on the desert. They warned them, said that several people had disappeared without any trace in that section of the desert out toward that mesa. And Steve and his partner laughed off the warnings purchased enough provisions to last them for a little while, and left the next morning. Steve and his partner reached the base of the mesa, which towered up above them. They sort of set up a, 
little bit of camp and started searching for the semi-precious gems that they were inside, that they were looking for. And while they were doing so, he heard his companion all uh, utter a, well, what was his expletive, all right? At any rate, Steve looked up, and as he did, he saw a black, cowled figure which seemed to come right out of the rock at the base of the mesa. And this, he said, was joined by another figure which was also black and cowled. Part two of the Steve Brody story coming from the late Jack Robinson. You're with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. And now another CentOS Game Changer with sports broadcaster Aaron Andrews. I'm here at my favorite car rental in sunny Miami. With me is the manager, Beth. I see your team has a new look for this season. Yeah, they just got uniforms, and my female employees are especially excited about the great styles. This flat-out wasn't an option when men's uniforms were the only choice. Well, it seems these young ladies are really hustling out here. What made the change for you? Yeah, well, our playbook hinged on one big detail, women's workwear by CentOS. These clothes are designed by women for women. When they look good, they're happier, and our guests notice. Well, judging by their extra effort, this team is going to the next level with Cintas uniforms. Let's go up to the booth for more. Finally, a line of women's workwear they want to wear. This is one of many expert services Cintas can tackle for your business. Don't settle for less. Call Cintas at 1-800-CINTAS6 or visit Cintas.com slash radio and tell them to bring in the team with the white truck. Attention, mindless criminals, thugs, and thieves. Go ahead, break a leg. American homeowners are fed up with your door kick-ins and forced entries. We now dare you to try your boot against any door reinforced with the Door Sentinel. The Door Sentinel pack includes a steel door jam plate with three and a half inch screws, a lock shield, and hinge shields. The Door Sentinel installs in minutes, securing any front, side, or back doors, even French doors. Criminals, be forewarned, your lake will break before the Door Sentinel will budge. Even if you have an alarm system, back it up with the Door Sentinel. Basic products starting under $20. Order your Door Sentinel today for your home, garage, or any building you own or rent at MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com or call 678-648-6757. That's 678-648-6757. 
Get your peace of mind back with Door Sentinel. The Door Sentinel. Always on guard. Introducing a diabetes breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. A cliffhanger, right? Part two of the Steve Brody story on the Paracast with Gene and Chris and Bob Zanotti and Jim Mosley. We hear more from Jack Robinson. The first figure Steve told me pointed at sort of a slim, rod-like instrument. Almost pencil-like, he said, in his direction. And Steve said that he was unable to move. He did hear his partner, who was farther away and behind him, get to his feet and start to run. And Steve said the second figure pointed a similar type rod at this partner of his. Only from this rod, a light emanated. And Steve heard a scream when this intense thin beam of light emanated from this. And his partner, he heard scream, and then he began to smell burned flesh. In the meanwhile, since he couldn't move, he couldn't see what had happened to his partner. The second figure then left the base of the Mesa, came towards Steve, and he had what Steve described as a couple of... Well, he said it was somewhat like a headset, except that it wasn't a headset. The type of instrument, whatever it was, went behind Steve Brody's ears. And Steve said from then on he knew nothing until he awakened later on. He awakened in a cage, he said. And uh, at this point, Steve showed me It left a scarred place in his head in which no hair grew. A section uh, behind both ears as large as, oh, not quite as large as a half dollar, but about that size. At any rate, all that Steve remembers about his captivity, because this is exactly what it was, was uh, that he was... Awakened three or four times. I don't remember which it was he told me, whether it was three or four times. But each time he was penned up with other humans, male and female. And it would seem that these other people knew something about where he was because they told him he was in an underground cave, that he was a Dero slave, and they mentioned the word Dero evidently to him. 
because this is where he got the idea. They kept telling him he was in the caves, that the masters were the Deros, and that they were cruel. Well, at any rate, when Steve was evidently finally released, although how he didn't know or why he didn't know, he said he merely found himself fully conscious walking down Broadway in New York City. And uh, he had on much the same clothes, as exactly the same clothes, I should say, not much the same clothes. He had on exactly the same clothes he had been wearing on his prospecting trip, except they were a little bit older, a good deal older. He had all the items in his pockets that he had been carrying, including $100 in bills. And he had the persistent feeling that this had been only practically yesterday. Although, when uh, he felt his beard, it denied the fact that it had been yesterday, for he had a very long beard. Steve went in and got a haircut and a shave. And when he did was the particular time that he discovered what the date was, because he had a chance to pick up and look at the newspaper. And he discovered that he had lost two years from his life. To more or less finish the story, I had kept my mouth shut about this when I, while I knew Steve, while I lived at the furnished room, because in around this date, I met my wife, Mary, and uh, we then moved away. I moved into another town. And, uh, oh, I don't know exactly how long ago it was. I forget exactly how long ago after that it was. But I came back to see Steve. I made a special trip into Jersey City, only to learn that Steve no longer lived there. The only thing was the landlady wanted to know if I found out where he lived, please tell her, because she wanted to send him his things. I finally said good day to her and started out. And as I came out of the house, I ran into a chap who was a traveling salesman who lived on the first floor. Now, he knew Steve. He more or less figured that Steve was a nut because he was so peculiar. And I said, I can't understand why Steve would sort of uh, leave the way he did. He said, he said you know, he says, there's something funny about that guy. He said, I saw him. He said, shortly after the landlady uh, said he left. I said, where? He said, well, you know, he says, I travel all over the West and all. I said, I know. He says, I saw him on a train in Arizona. And you know, he was drunk or drugged or something. He says, I don't know. I said, what do you mean? He never took drink. He did, wouldn't take drugs, and I don't see how he could be dry, doped if he didn't take drugs or anything. He said, well, I walked up to him, and he said, I spoke to him. He said, he never even looked at me. He was sort of glancing sideways out of the window of that train. He said, somewhere in a little town in Arizona, he says, I don't even remember the name of the town, just a little whistle stop. He says, and I went up ahead, he said, to the lavatory. He said, train stopped, he said, and... I came out. He says, and Steve was gone. He evidently got him up at that little station. Now, he says, I don't know why, because there wasn't anything there for anybody. And I'm afraid that, to my knowledge, that's about the most I can tell you about what happened to Steve Brody. It would seem to me that the Deros had him again in some way, possibly under some type of mech 
Ray or what have you, mind control of some sort, and that uh, Steve won't be back again. And darn it all, anyhow, it's the thing that got me into, into the shaving mystery and into the flying saucer field. So, Jim Mosley, what was your take on this story that Jack Robinson told so many times in so many places? <laughs> well, now that I hear it again, I remember it vaguely. Uh, I think I told you on the phone the other day, I'm not even sure if Jack Robinson believed it. I, I rather think, although I can't prove it, that this was something he had heard. He didn't make up the story. It's just a question of whether he believed it or if anybody else should believe it. I think it was interesting and different, and it was like a calling card uh, that he had uh, when he wanted to meet other people in the occult field and later on in, in the saucer field. It, it was a sort of an introduction that gave him something special and weird and interesting to talk about. And uh, whether he really took it all that seriously, I certainly don't know. Whatever Steve was, he was indeed extremely uh, strange, if not worse than that, and uh, whether the Dero part is true or not, it doesn't really matter. That's what I would say. What's your take on it, Bob? You've heard this story many times. Yes, and I can remember sitting there at the table um, in Jersey City. I think you were there, too, at the time, Gene, and watching it, and I've spoke many times to Jack. He was always a sincere individual. I always had a lot of faith in him. I trusted him. It would be hard for me personally to think that he made this up. I mean, I can't say he didn't. I can't be sure. But my gut feeling is I believe he is telling an accurate story the way at least he perceived it or lived it. I can't see him making up something like this. It just doesn't Oh, no, I'm not saying that he made it up. I'm saying that he did hear it, and he probably repeated it uh, correctly, but that doesn't mean he believed it. Jim Mosley, tell our listeners where they can find Saucer Smear. Saucer Smear is available at uh, P.O. Box 1709, Key West, Florida, 33041. We'll send you a free sample copy of Saucer Smear, and if you like it, uh, you can... Uh, send us some money sometime down the line and go on from there. Bob Zanotti, do you have any current projects? Well, my pet project, I worked for Swiss Radio International for 32 years. That station closed. It was a shortwave broadcasting station. When it closed, I decided to keep the tradition of English language classic radio reporting alive. So I started SwitzerlandInSound.com. If you have any interest in Switzerland, features, places to go, destinations, the culture, the politics, the society, it's all there. And if you look under Vintage Features, you'll find a few choice offbeat features that I did over the years. Chris O'Brien has OurStrangePlanet.com. A special thank you to the memory of Jack Robinson, wherever he may be, Yona Fortner, even Dominic Lucchesi, August C. Roberts, perhaps even the Mystic Barber, wherever they are. We remember them. Bob Zanotti, yep. Jim Mosley, thanks for joining us on the PowerCast. Great to get back after nearly 50 years. Jim? Yes. Say something. I just did. The PowerCast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in... The Paracast. <laughs>